Welcome to Cartridge Command, your weekly retro gaming podcast where we discuss and review the classic and not-so-classic games of the 8 and 16-bit era. I'm Nick. And I'm Eric. And this week's game is Ninja Gaiden 2, The Dark Sword of Chaos. Ninja Gaiden 2 is the second Ninja Gaiden game for the Nintendo Entertainment System. It was developed and published by Tecmo. It was released in North America in May of 1990 with the subtitle The Dark Sword of Chaos. Released in Japan one month earlier in April as The Legend of the Dragon Sword 2, The Dark Sword of Chaos. Now, poor Europe, uh, they did not get this game until October of 1994. Oh, wow. Yeah, and there it was called Shadow Warrior 2, Ninja Gaiden 2. Okay, so I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah, I don't know if that's one of those weird things where they weren't allowed to have ninjas, uh, you know, at one point. Oh, like uh, Hero Turtles? Yeah, something along those lines. So, is it the exact same game? It's not changed or anything, do you know? Or? I don't know. I don't know if theirs hmm. was censored at all. Um, it very well could have been. Right on. Now, there was some censoring in different versions of America through the ages, and uh, we'll mm-hmm. get to that in a bit. But this game was directed by Masato Kato, and uh, he mm-hmm. actually went on to write a few games you may be familiar with, such as Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, parts of Xenogears and Final Fantasy VII. Oh, wow, okay. So that's a pretty pretty good pedigree there. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting, um, since the script for this game is not as well regarded as the one <laughs> for Ninja Gaiden 1. Uh, yeah, I, I can I can see why. Well, Nick, how would you describe the gameplay of this game? Well, I would describe it as a 2D, side-scrolling, action platformer. Right back to the roots <laughs> of Nintendo's bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Well, in this game, you are Ryu Hayabusa. Again, mm. same character as the first one. And you can jump, you can uh, stick to walls and mm-hmm. climb them. Yes, which is an improvement over the first. Indeed. Now you can also attack with your sword and use ninja magic. Yeah, by pressing up and B. Yes. Now your normal attack is just the B button. So. Which, you know, even, you know, the Ninja Gaiden series, um, you know, they have some, it kind of looks like a Castlevania screen, you know, your controls operate similarly, you know, you got your up and B for your special weapon that's in a square, just like Castlevania, you've got your life meter and an enemy life meter. Yeah, there is a, a lot of similarities. And as you said, you do have a, a life meter, it's referred to as the health bar, and it does not change or uh, go up as the game progresses. You just have your one set amount of life. Correct. You don't, don't no leveling up here. And if most enemies hit you, you lose one bar of life. Yeah, there are a few that do more damage, but and bosses, not a lot. No. Now you can uh, refill this life bar uh, with pickups, or if you finish a level, you have uh, three lives to start, and there are also uh, ways to find lives. And if uh, you have a, you know, you also have a score. And if you get 100,000 points, it's a one-up. Oh, cool. Because my next note is, there is a score. Is it useful? It's Yeah, a rare... Uh, <laughs> so well, how many per one-up? 100,000 points. Okay, well, that will come important here in just a moment. Um, you are timed in this game. Mm-hmm. You get 250 seconds per level. And each level is referred to as what? A, an act? Well, it's like there's stages within acts. There's seven acts, and each one has two stages, I okay. believe is how they're referred to. 
All right. Well, in each uh, level or stage, you get 250 seconds, which is plenty of time. Uh, I was goofing, and uh, I did run out of time once. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I was going to ask if you did, because I, I, I forgot it was even there. Well, I, I noticed I was low on time, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let it run out to see what happens. And in the last 10 seconds, you get a beep, and then it's just a death. Okay, no. It's not like traumatic music like Underwater Sonic or... No, nothing to scare you. It's just like <laughs> a couple beeps, and then you're gone. Mm-hmm. Now, the levels are also full of items, and uh, these items are found in red orbs. They can be a little tricky to hit, but if you do, out will pop an item for you to use, such as the point jar. Oh, it's a jar. Uh, It always looked like a bag to me. Yeah, well, I I didn't even know that these were useful at all, since I didn't know about that one up. Right, right. But uh, red ones are worth 1,000 points, and blue ones are worth 2,000 points. I have it the other way around. I thought the blue ones were worth less. Well, it's very possible. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter either way. I mean, I, did you ever... I never got 100,000 points, so... No. I no, was nowhere not near at all. <laughs> so... You also find health elixirs. Yeah, the yeah, it's like a medicine bottle, and it gives you six hit points back. Yeah, that is super helpful. Not as uh, plentiful as you would hope. <laughs> yes. You will also find extra lives, and that is just a little uh, portrait of yeah. Ryu there. Little little image there. I love the fact that in all the 8-bit video games, the one-up is a little mini you or picture of you. Yeah, little portrait, man. You know, portrait, a doll. It's always uh, something something very, very tailored. Can you ever find, like, you can't pick up, if it belongs to someone else, it'd be a different picture. So you can, you know, it's nothing to you. I, I think that's how it would work. It has to be yours. And then one of the uh, more interesting things you'll find are the, the energy scrolls. Yeah, they increase your maximum uh, ninja power points. Well, those are the blue ones. The blue ones will increase your magic points by 10. Yeah. And then the red ones will just refill your magic energy. Oh, right. Okay, I was talking about the other scroll thing. No, that's the one that gives you plus 10. Right, well, there's, you know, the little, yeah, okay, I got you. Because there's the, you know, the blue squares that you get with the emblem that give you 10 points. And then there's, like, the red ones that max you out. And then there's the one that looks like a little scroll, actually, that and increases that, your max. I just forgot to include that <laughs> blue one that increases your magic points by 10. And those are the ones you find the most of. Sure, they're all over the place. Now, you need those magic points to use your ninja magic. Ninja magic is... uh. It's a big part of this game, man. It totally is. And the various magics you can get or use are... Oh, real quick. these The instruction book calls these power-boosting items. Okay. That's what they're really called. That is not nearly as cool <laughs> as I want them to be. No, it's ninja magic. Let's be honest. Well, the first power-boosting item is uh, just a plain old shuriken, and you start with that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, it uses uh, five magic points. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way across the screen. Yeah, it's a nice little free thing. Like you do, you can pick it up, which kind of sucks later if you find it in a stage. Yeah, you know, it'll replace whatever cool weapon you have. Well, arguably, I think I may like it more than some of the other ones. Well, yeah, I can see that because it's so cheap. That and uh, one thing to note is that if you are on a wall and you attack, you will automatically be using your ninja magic. Mm-hmm. And you can direct it left or right depending on in which direction you hold on the the control pad, but. Yes. The next form of ninja magic you will find is the Art of Fire Wheel. And that is eight points, and mm-hmm. that shoots the diagonal upward fire. Yeah, this is a you know, familiar face from the first one, and it's, a, it's maybe my favorite one. It's really strong. Really good for boss fights. Yeah, yeah. You can tear through some guys with that. Now, after that, you'll find the 
Fire Dragon Balls, also Which, eight points. Yep, yep. And these are a new face. They didn't have these before in Ninja Gaiden 1. And, you know, they're pretty useful because, you know, they, they shoot down at an angle. They're definitely good for when there is an enemy across a pit and you can jump and nail them. Yeah, there's a lot of occasions where you'll, you'll be facing that, so they're really good. The next one on my list is the Windmill Throwing Stars. Another classic from the first one. Uh, they're a really, really cool weapon. Yeah, you know, I love them. They're like them. the boomerang back to the, they go in and out. You can jump over them to keep them flying around. Yeah, because it's not just like a boomerang. Like, if you miss them, they'll keep going back and forth. And, you know, you can get a couple of them on the screen, and it's awesome chaos. Oh, yeah, especially if you keep dodging it and, then, you know, you have three of them flying around. like Indeed. Now, the last form of magic that you can get is the Circle of Fire Invincibility. Yeah, or it's also from the first game, but it was different then because it was just like a star in Mario. You got it and it made you invincible. But here it's like an item that it costs 15 points and you can keep spending it over and over. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's super powerful. Not only does it make you invincible, but it the fire around you will kill anything you come in contact with. The one downside is that it will also break any of those red orbs. Mm -hmm. And if you get a different item, you will stop being invincible and stop having that fire around you. No fun. No. In the middle of a intense run, that can really trip you up. Yeah, and it's cool too because it'll, you know, it comes at you. It rises up from the bottom of the screen, and if it go, if it hits an enemy on the way, then it'll kill them. Yeah, it's awesome all around. Agreed. Now, I did save the coolest item for last mm -hmm. and the best addition to the Ninja Gaiden series, you know, from one to two. Yes, sir. And I don't know what you call it, but um, I like to call it the Shadow Clone. Okay. Uh, I, I always called them Ninja Clones, um, but the manual calls it splitting your body. Man, what? Yeah, it's weird. And <laughs> like, it's a, you'll see it's a little, it looks like a one up, but it's, uh, it's like orange instead of blue. So. You could really call it a splitting image. Ooh. Huh? Yeah. Huh? So these things are clones of you. Now, you can get up to two at a time. What they do is they mimic your movements a few frames behind. Yeah, they're very much like options in Life Force. Just as you once said, options yeah. were much like these clones. Well, yeah, that's why. Who'd have thought? Callbacks. Now, what's awesome about them is that they do not obey the laws of gravity or anything along those lines. So if you had made a jump and then you stopped on the ground and they were mid-jump behind you, they will stay up there in the air that many frames behind you. Yeah, it's a it's a very powerful tool for hitting certain bosses in their weak spots. Instead of jumping up and hitting them once, you can position a, a shadow clone, if you will, right in front of it and just slash away. Yes, and that's because while their movement is a few frames behind you, when you attack, they attack simultaneously. Yes. And they will also use magic simultaneously as well so you can double or triple up any of the magics you had found and can use before at no extra cost to you indeed it's super awesome and it makes things like the fire wheel crazy strong oh yeah and you're you know you're decimating swathes of the screen at once like you can kill a lot of guys yeah now the other bonus to these clones is that they are invincible and incorporeal so nothing can hurt them and everything passes through them Unfortunately, they do set off a lot of, uh, like, flicker because you have all these extra sprites on the screen, you know? Like, yes, and they themselves flicker. Yeah, so it, it, that, sometimes it can get really confusing when you're, you know, you got these two guys running around behind you and sometimes there's six, seven enemies. And when they attack with their sword, that sword will, like you said, 
hit enemies and bosses. Now, does it hurt every enemy that your normal sword will? I, I thought so. I, th- I couldn't tell because sometimes the hit detection on it is a little weird. The sword has a weird timing to it in a way. That oh, yes. I, I, was, I wasn't able to use these guys as, in certain ways that I, I wanted to at first where I'm like, I'm going to back left and right and then have them you know pointing out and then I can just kill anything. But it didn't quite like, it's weird, but... Yeah, the timing on them is not always exactly where you think it will be. So, Nick, what did the uh, instruction book for this fine game hold for us? Well, Ninja Gaiden 2 has a 26-page manual. Nice. Um, it's all black and white, but, you know, there are a few screenshots, but uh, it has, uh, has a lot of really good, you know, drawn artwork. In fact, the, there's about five pages that's the story of Ninja Gaiden 1, like a whole recap of the whole game, and there's some, like, hand-drawn recreations of the cutscenes. Oh, really? Yeah, they, they look pretty good. And um, at the beginning, it has a weird, like, uh, in the introduction, it calls it, um, it's one of the Tecmo Theater series. I saw that in the credits. Yeah, I, is this the only series, like, is it just Ninja Gaiden, like, did any of their other games get to be in this I, club? I doubt that Tecmo Super Bowl was in the club. Yeah, it refers to it using cinema display technology, so. But for the most part, it just goes through all the basics, you know, uh, Controls, items, power boosting items. Uh, you get a little brief intro to the four characters, Ryu, Irene, Robert T.S., and Ashtar. Ooh, and Ashtar. There's no real enemies section, but you do get to the bosses, uh, the demon clan. and. Uh, oh, do you get their names? You sure do. Good, because uh, I think we'll reveal those later. Yeah, yeah, they but have some... Uh, there was one in particular that really threw me off. I, I love, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about those as we come along. They have a few little uh, comments about them. Of course, you got two pages of a memo section, oh. and the most curious part of this book to me was at the back, it has a special bonus offer. Okay, and what was this bonus offer, Nick? Well, um, apparently each of the Tecmo games came with a like a special badge on the back of the uh, instruction manual you could cut off, and if you collected five of them, there's one for, they have like eight sample games there. Uh-huh. You send them in and you get a special bonus offer. It says it's a gift you can share with your friends and family. You didn't look up what this was? I tried, but nobody knew. Some guy said it was a watch. He heard it was a watch. That's the only best I could come up with. Oh, man. But it really drives me nuts. So if anybody knows that out there, Cartridge Commandos, let us know. We want to get to the bottom of this special bonus offer. Yeah, that is one thing about like old Atari games uh, from Activision that I'm so jealous of, where you could send in your high scores and get the patches. Yeah. I, you know, so maybe there's some sweet swag floating around out there somewhere. Cool. Well, let us know. Anything else in that fine instruction manual? No, man. Um, unfortunately, 26 pages doesn't get you a whole lot from Ninja Gaiden 2, so that's all she wrote. Well, Nick, what was your personal history with this game? Oh, um, this, um, I loved the first game. Uh, I never owned or beat it, but uh, when this one came out, I rented and beat it with my friend over one weekend. Uh, we both liked it a lot and were really proud because Ninja Gaiden is one of the hardest games, I think. It's definitely top five for me. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, we really thought we were hot stuff. But going back and playing the first one was like, nope, it was the game. The game's not as hard. It's not us. So, <laughs> Right. Now, for me, I know I play this game a lot of different friends' houses. This, of course, was super popular when it was out. And I always found that it was uh, really difficult. Like, it wasn't something that I liked enough to overcome that difficulty curve. Mm-hmm. But it does hold a very fond place in my heart because uh, we did often use the 
sound effect test in this game. Oh, okay. We would use the music and sound effects for cheesy ninja videos that we made at my friend Denny's house. Uh, That's awesome. It was probably less awesome looking than we imagined, (laughs) but we felt pretty awesome. For sure, man. Now, one more embarrassing uh, note that I would like to confess Uh is that if you are familiar with the cover of Ninja Gaiden 1, 2, and 3, Mm -hmm. it says Ninja, and then it has a, a set of characters oh right yeah uh, japanese or kanji of some sort yeah and underneath that gaiden Mm -hmm. well i didn't know that those were actual characters okay right and so for years i thought it was a stylized the oh so it's ninja the gaiden to this day in my head (laughs) i hear ninja the gaiden and have to consciously drop the the so i don't sound like a fool to other humans Right on, yeah. But yes, for many years, I thought this game and uh, its predecessor was called Ninja the Gaiden and Ninja (laughs) the Gaiden 2. Well, Nick, more recently, how much experience have you had with this game? Um, Well, I beat it. Um, I played it uh, over three different uh, sessions. Uh, Okay. First one, I got to about level 3-2 before frustration kicked in, and I was like, all right. Yeah, yeah. Taking it easy. Uh, The second time, then, you know, I got past where I was stuck, and I was trucking until I got to uh, the final level, 7-2. Oh, yeah. And then, man, I I played it for about an hour just on that level, like, you know, continuing and starting over and over. Oh, I know. And then I finally got to the boss, and he, uh, he beat the crap out of me, and I had to start over, and I was so pissed, so I just stopped and was like, I'm in for it now. Like, mm-hmm. But the third time I played through, and I, I made some realizations about the game that made me realize I could beat it easier than I thought. And uh, Oh, I'd like to hear these a little later. Oh, well, mainly it's just the final boss. Like He has three forms. and Oh, it, yeah. You know, if you beat one of the forms and come back again the next time, he's still on the second form. I thought it was like you had to start over and fight all three forms every time. Yeah. So, like, which I... Is that how it works in Ninja Gaiden 1? Ninja Gaiden 1 is so worse because what happens is if you lose at the boss, you have to go back to the beginning of the act. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he doesn't maintain his forms, does he? Like, no. you still have to beat all three in one yes. go. Yeah, that's where it's killer. But Because I was really scared here because this last level is really hard. But mm-hmm. uh, I probably spent about half my time playing that level in this whole game play uh, this week. But No, I'm right there with you. I played this game every night for about an hour, maybe a little bit more. Right on. Uh, you recommended we play this one because it would be a little easier, which I knew was also going to be a lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, mm-hmm. we'll get to the full difficulty levels of this game, but I did not have a lot of uh, youth experience with it, so there's no burnt-in memory patterns. You know? Right, right. And, um, you know, each night I would get further and further, um, just kind of memorizing more of the levels, what enemies are coming where. That's really what a lot of the gameplay boils down to. So the night before last, I set aside, I was like, I'm going to set aside a couple hours to really just finish this game out. Mm -hmm. And not unlike you, I spent the majority of that time at the very last level. It's, it's, It's pretty rough. It is so rough. And I finally got to the spoilers third and final form of this boss <laughs> and had no clue what to do and just died and got so frustrated made it back died and got so frustrated that i you know i was like i'm done for tonight right and i'm just done and then i looked up the next day how you beat this boss and i was like oh that <laughs> i was too disenchanted to really go through this whole game again right just you know from scratch so i went in and i did cheat Mm -hmm. on my final playthrough oh 
I used the invincibility code. Oh, okay. Are you familiar with this thing? Uh, no. I feel like I kind of earned it because, man, this code has a ton of inputs. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm not even going to repeat them here because it's just like a long string of ups, left, right, whatevers. I didn't know there was one. Then you'll get a chime. Then you got to like add more to it. Oh. <laughs> and then I'll say invincibility on the screen and then you can rock and roll. Okay. And then you're invincible for the game. Okay. I, I didn't know that existed. That's, that's pretty sweet. It exists alongside the aforementioned sound test. Yeah, the all the Ninja Guidance had that, right? They were one of the first games where it was like consistently everyone had the like... I think so. And it was great because uh, we all checked it out to listen to the cool songs. Now we find ourselves in the general chat portion of our podcast. Let's chat. Let's chat, Nick. And the first thing I'd like to chat about is mm-hmm. perhaps the differences that we find in the difficulty of this game. Because I wrote, woo, what a hard-ass game. Really? Like, I mean, it, it does have some very hard parts. Like, most of the levels will have one or two real tricky areas, you know? Uh-huh. But the levels are so short, and you have, like, infinite continues. Yes, but you also have infinite opportunities to get knocked into pits by those damn birds. Ah, the birds. Yeah, the worst birds of all ever like this whole series the, it's, the birds are the worst they're big green eagles for yeah. the most part here so the mechanic that makes this game so hard i think is that classic if you re-scroll forward or backwards any of the area where an enemy spawns it will respawn oh the whole series has a very uh relentless spawning like even if you sometimes you're not even moving back and forward it'll just keep spawning if you stand in the same place if you're you know it's revealed the trigger spot or however it works yeah and this one i find has even more enemies that will spawn in weird heights or from areas you don't expect an enemy to come from. They, they know what they're doing when they put them there. They do. And the other difficulty factor in this game is that if you die at a boss, you don't start at that boss. Right. So I don't think I ever fought a boss with full health or anything close. Yeah, unless sometimes you can get medicine relatively soon before it. But, I mean, I thought the bosses were pretty easy for the most part well the second time you fight them probably but the first time you go in with like half your health and you're kind of like freaked out yeah oh yeah i mean you'll you'll lose some lives trying to master it but they're the levels are so short it's, it's not that hard to just get right back to where you were i feel like but like you said there are so many parts in these levels where you get just smashed by a wave of enemies or there's just too many tricky jumps where you're just going to die instantly if you're hit in the middle of any of them. You get uh there's a pretty strong knockback when you when you get hit so it's easy to fall off the screen. Very. However, if you're near the top at least, you can usually guide yourself to something that you can stick to and crawl back up, which isn't as bad as it was in the first one where you had to actually manually hop up yeah. the wall sides, but here you can just climb up them, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and um, one trick you may want to master is the ability to jump from the wall you're on onto the top of the platform. It takes a little bit of learning there. To, you got to you know wiggle it real fast. Yes, because to jump off a wall, you have to press away from the wall and jump. And then you have to like hit back right away to land, you know, alter your jump back over to the top. A good place to practice is in any of the levels that has uh, some wind factor going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. But to me, so many of the stages in this game work best if you never stop moving. Agreed. It's clearly the, you know, they they punish you pretty heavily if you if you stop and try to like farm or do any weird stuff. Yeah, you know, it's all about moving forward and just busting ass on the way. It's it's pretty cool. Super speed ninja attack. The speed 
the play control when you're jumping and slashing, it does make you feel like a ninja. Yeah, it's very much like Contra, but yeah. with a ninja. Like, I feel like you're running, you you know, you don't want to stop. There's no real benefit to doing it. Like, keep moving, get through it. You can skip enemies if you don't want to mess with them. No penalty, just do it. Yeah, and the ability to uh, wall climb and wall jump just adds that extra element that makes you feel like a badass. But uh, most importantly to me, what makes this game really good is the music is mm-hmm. awesome from front to end. Yeah, it's very, like, I'm surprised it's not in a Capcom game. I don't know. Tecmo is up there. Like, I forgot how good Ninja Gaiden's music really is. Yeah, and that combined with uh, the cutscenes, which aren't new to this uh, installment. They were in the first one. Mm-hmm. But the movement in these ones are so dynamic. And they're know. full of great sprite work. Like, they look really... This is one area that's definitely better than the first one. Like, Ryu's face, all everybody looks awesome. They look like anime. Yeah, in fact, I was going to note that they don't even look like 8-bit graphics to a degree. Yeah, they. Uh, it's it looks awesome. Uh, my one complaint with the cutscenes is I wish the text loaded faster. Man, it takes forever for some of those sentences to come out. Yeah, but in their benefit, that you can skip them if you've already seen them. Yeah, and that is very nice. Come on, guys. They've had this for years in games. Why isn't this everything? Every cutscene should always be skippable. Yes. Now, the story in this game is pretty mature. Yeah. There is uh, some stabbings. Yeah, some blood. They show real guns. Mm -hmm. And like you said, there is lots of blood and some pentagrams. Yeah, that's right. It is so demonic. I am surprised that it wasn't uh, toned down or censored. It's Yeah, it's got some pretty wicked stuff going on. I, I really like it. Oh, wait. It actually was censored when it came to Super Nintendo as part of the Ninja Gaiden trilogy. Oh, really? Yeah, all the blood was turned green, and they cut out all the pentagrams. Oh, oh okay. So I guess someone at Nintendo actually played it <laughs> and realized it didn't meet uh, many of its standards of service. Mm-hmm. Well, Nick, I think it's that time. Time to take this game level by level. Well, the game begins with some really cool cutscenes. Yeah, you get an awesome intro with one of my favorite songs uh, from this game or any game. Okay, and you're introduced to all the characters. Sure, you get, uh, you know, Ashtar. It, you know, it picks up pretty much, I guess, immediately in the, in the instruction manual, they say it's been a year since well, the first Ninja Gaiden. In the story... It starts with Ashtar seeing that uh, Joe... What's the guy's name? Yeah, I, I don't know how you say that. It's Jacquio. I always said Jacquio. Jacquio's but... death. And then it cuts to a year later. Yeah, okay. And when the game starts, uh, level one, or it's act one, mm-hmm. you are in the city. Yeah, you have an urban landscape. It's a good... Uh, the city background looks good, man. Uh, your buildings are made of brick, kind of, but you get a lot of flickering lights in the background. Yeah, and you're introduced to many of the uh, enemies you'll see through the entirety of the game right here in this first level. Yeah, and you'll see your first, uh, you can see those like brown guys swinging their little club thing. Um, Those are the first of uh, many miniature versions of bosses you fought in the first game. They're actually the barbarian who was the first, uh, the boss of the first level in Ninja Gaiden 1. Oh, I had no clue. They're... He's blue, but these guys are brown, but they are exactly the same, except much weaker and smaller. Yeah, I like those guys because they are very easy to kill. Yeah, yeah, they are <laughs> they suck. What other enemies do we find in this level, Nick? Um, you have those little, I call them crawling claws, um, the little red guys with the, like, it looks like they have long yeah, they're like, like claw a, finger things. I always think of them as like a Vega. They fall down from the sky uh, a lot and crawl around, so they can be a pain in the butt, slightly, but... 
yeah, one hit, nothing to it. They're usually a duck and uh, attack. So one thing you learn in this game is almost every enemy, you either need to attack it from standing or specifically with a ducking position. There are a lot of, uh, I don't know, they're like half as tall as you or little little creatures. And, or even some of the taller creatures I've found, you need ducks so you don't get hit by them mm-hmm. or they're just easier, their path is easier to get into if you're ducking when you attack. Mm-hmm. So um, any other notable creatures in this area? Um, I mean, you get those ninjas that are jumping up from the bottom of the screen. Oh, I hate those guys. Throwing nin- they're like red, throwing ninja stars. They're on tons of levels. All yeah. these guys are very common. Yeah, that is one of my bigger gripes with this game is that a lot of repeats with the enemies. Yeah, it's weird because they have a pretty good amount of different enemies, but it's like they're all in every stage almost. They're not really themed out that very well. No, I feel like you could um, hold off a lot of these ones for later in the game. But... Like there are a few, but yeah. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about this first level is at the end of it, there is a boss right mm-hmm. away. Yeah, 1-1, one, one, you come up against uh, Dando. Dan Doe? Yeah. Like D-A-N, last name D-O-E? No, it's just D-A-N-D-O. Oh. And in the manual, it says that Ashtar made him from the wandering spirits of Vikings lost at sea. Very specific. Yeah, I was like, he looks nothing like a Viking. He's a weird creature. No, it just looks like some sort of um, like muck man. Yeah, or a creature of the Black Lagoon-y, like, it's kind of aquatic looking, but no water here. Very easy to defeat. You just uh, hit him a few times, eventually he'll get enraged and run across the room. Yeah, and shake the screen when he hits the wall. Yeah, you just want to make sure you have already gotten to the wall and climbed it by the time he does that. Yeah, you can chop him down easily with your sword. Yeah, it just takes like two or three passes, uh, and then he's gone. So after defeating him, uh, you will be treated to another cutscene. Mm-hmm. And between every single act, there is a cutscene, and even between some scenes. Right. And, you know, we're not going to cover too much of the cutscenes, because for me personally, while it wasn't amazing, the story was a lot of the charm of this game. Yeah, I just wanted to point out that I think one of the strengths of this game is that the cutscenes do a good job of kind of explaining the next level, or why you're, you know, the levels kind of make sense in a, in a cool way. So I just wanted to give it a shout out there. No, I definitely agree. They do a great job of setting up what's to come and why you're doing what you've done. But in Act 2, Scene 1, mm-hmm. you are on a train. Yeah, a cool train level. Um, You can see some, uh, got a sweet uh, parallax scrolling background with some forest and mountains behind it. And don't be worried. You can fall in between the train cars. You won't die. Okay. I, I never did that. You just land on the, like, connector? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Once again, super awesome music here. Uh, one of my favorite tracks. Now, is this where the bird makes his first appearance? Mm, I think so. I, I do know that the Jason Voorhees people yeah. make their first appearance. Why did the Japanese in the 80s use so many Jason Voorheeses <laughs> in their various games? I am, man, I don't know. Uh, I swear, like... I, of games have an enemy wearing a hockey mask, holding a machete, or knife. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was in the first Ninja Gaiden as well, as another little, not a boss, but just a little enemy. Well, if the bird does not appear here, I think he may appear in the next level, which is Act 2, Scene 2. Yeah, where you're you're up in the, it's a windy mountain level with a cool uh, wind mechanic, you know, you can see, I guess, rain dropping or... Some some sort of particles. Maybe snow. Dust. You're up. Yeah. But you can tell, you know, it's either going straight up and, or straight down. So there's no wind or left or right. And then it lengthens or shortens your jump in the appropriate direction. Now, to me, this was one of the most iconic wind 
levels in a game. Uh, it might have been the first time I remember being really impressed by the wind effects. Mm-hmm. But you do need to pay attention to the wind because uh, it will definitely hinder you if it's working against you. And in some places, I think you may have to use the wind to get across some larger gaps. No, there's definitely at least one, I know. And it, it can be tough. Like, if you get to a spot where no enemies are spawning near the edge, I'm like, just wait for the wind there. Because you don't want to accidentally trigger a new enemy to come after you while you have to wait for the wind to change. Agreed. And this is where, for me, I always got my second ninja clone, I think. mm Somewhere in that beginning of the level. Sure, sure. And we do see the soldiers, the like Marines here, with the slowest bullets ever. Yeah, those guys you just need to run at right away. You can shoot, or you can chop their bullets if, oh. you're, if you time it right. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I know you could in the first one. I didn't try in this uh, game at all because I was too cowardly. So in addition to getting a taste of those horrible, horrible birds, you come across one of my other least favorite enemies in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these red slimes. Oh, the wall slime things that... They suck so bad. They move up and down and shoot at you. Yeah, well, because not only are they on the wall where you need to be, and it's usually awkward to hit them, Mm -hmm. they shoot a projectile that goes through walls and is aimed at where you are standing when it shoots. Yeah, you really want to try to get them before they shoot, if you can, if you can kill them as fast as possible. Yes. Now, at the end of Act 2, Scene 2, you are treated to the next boss. And what a treat it is, Baron Spider is here to rock and roll. And he has a a pretty original uh, origin, as detailed in the instruction manual. Um, He was researching uh, a new breed of spiders at a research institute, and he was bitten by one and turned into a man-spider creature. Interesting, because he does not look like a man-spider creature at all. He's a weird thing, but I'm like, is he really just Spider-Man? Like, except ugly? Like, that's, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, they didn't say it was radioactive, but I'm like, that's it? But, hmm. I mean, whatever. This boss, uh, he is one that I died at the first time I encountered him. Yeah, me too. But subsequently, I quickly figured out, you know, what to do. Well, this is a guy that just jumps up and down in the middle of the room. Yeah, well, there, we should say there's a wall on the right and that you can climb up on. And then, you know, there's a floor along the bottom and then a platform above it in the middle where he kind of jumps from that and down. But none of that matters because <laughs> all you need to do is when he's at the top, be on the wall towards the top, which will make him jump down to the ground. Mm-hmm. And when he jumps to the ground, you jump down and you can hit him two or three times. Mm-hmm. Before he jumps back to the top. Yeah, I mean, he's throwing out these, like, giant tarantulas that climb along the floor and wall. So that is his main attack, uh, throwing tarantulas. But as long as you can get onto that wall before he does, you can get high enough to where they won't hit you. And you can't kill them, but they're just one hit, right? Yep, they're just like the other spiders you find later in the game. Yeah, and uh, I will say this, too. Um, I mean, while this is applicable for most bosses, this was where I first realized where I'm like, man, the art of the fire wheel will tear this dude a new one. It's... Yeah, I used it on him. Uh, I only had like two two or three shots of it, mm-hmm. but that was enough to get him, I think, past half. Yeah, that's usually the same way with me where I get to a boss and I'm like, all right, how much ninja power do I have? I'm just going to blow it all right away, see where it gets me. And, you know, with him, it was a, a long way. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, um, if you are anything like me, don't expect to get to any boss with full health or even close. It's, uh, yeah, not a common thing. No, I'm usually right over half if I'm doing well. I mean... 
to really plan it out, you have to know, you're like, what weapon do I want? And where are the weapons? Because I don't want to, you know, hitting weapons you don't want. It's like you have to stand there and wait for it to disappear. And that sucks because enemies will keep coming. So I just kept taking every weapon I would just come across and dealing with it for the most part. I would unless I had the fire wheel. Oh, yeah. Well, until the last level, 7-2... Uh, that's when I started really watching what weapons I was picking up because I didn't play a lot of these levels over and over. And real quick, in the cutscene um, after a bear and spider, you are treated to your first uh, Ryu on a cliff gazing at a castle scene, which is pretty iconic from the first one and referenced here. Yeah, it appears a few times in this game. And it looks good, man. The sprites, like, it's solid, man. Yeah, I can't I can't speak highly enough of how good everything looks in the cutscenes. Mm-hmm. You will be moving on to Act 3, Scene 1. Mm-hmm. And this level is really awesome looking. Yeah, it's all dark, and it's only lit when lightning flashes periodically in the background. Yeah, so there's a couple places where you have to wait for the light to come in to see where you're going to jump. Yeah, you can't see the end of a lot of the pits if they're near the bottom. Sometimes if they're close to the top, you can kind of see where the edges start and stop. Yeah, there is a, a part where... You're going to be jumping across a lot of uh, very narrow pillars. Mm, yeah. There is no way to guarantee light through that whole area. Yeah, you really got to know, uh, or just take it slow, I guess, it, which is, as always, hard to do in Ninja Gaiden, but you can do it here. Now, does this level also have the uh, erupting fireballs in it? Mm, I'm not sure if this is the first one. I know it's got the uh, flame ghost homing things. You know, these flames appear, they flicker, and then chase you around. Yeah, those are so slow that I, I don't really find them that, that annoying. Not really, uh, especially not in this level. Now, there are some more wall slimes here, though. Oh, my favorite. And uh, there may be a few bats. The bats in this game mm. are like birds, but way, way slower and easier. Mm-hmm. They're, um, the birds and the bats, I found, are almost always easier to kill if you are ducking. Yeah, and there's two kinds of bats, really, because there's the little black ones that go in the wave pattern, uh-huh. and then there's the big brown ones that behave like the bird sprites. Gotcha. This level, uh, it's, you know, it is what it is. You got to make your way through it. The cool part is at the end, there's like a little doorway with a drawbridge. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's a nice touch. Yeah, because it's like you got to, you know, they sent you to what? The Tower of Laja, and it's like you got there, so... And a lot of levels end with, like, a doorway that you go through. Mm-hmm. It's a small touch, but it's one I really like. It definitely creates a feeling of realness and world-building to me. Yes, agreed. All right, so Act 3, Scene 2, is, um, I'm guessing the Tower of Laja, where you were supposed to go, but it's, you know, an ancient temple, and it, and it looks pretty good. You know, you got a sunset in the in the background out, out through the windows. Yeah, it's kind of a new form of level because... You're going to be doing a lot of uh, vertical movement. Yeah, and like left to right where you're like working your way up, left and right and up. Yeah, like you're working your way up through the tower. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the first point for me in this game where I really, like, I got so mad I had to quit because this is where you're doing a lot of jumping on these, like, sloped kind of platforms and you get to what I consider even worse than the birds, those stupid boxers. They're like, you know, a human boxer, not a dog, but, you know, oh, okay. they punch at you and then they roll at you. Okay. Sometimes and they they have such a like wide range and, and oh I didn't even think of them as a boxer uh I just they're bizarre they turn into like a roly poly yeah it's weird and they can roll back and forth in a very unpredictable way and I think are they invincible when they're rolling because I was never able to accurately 
I, I, I don't them. think so. But they also, in addition to being able to roll, having this attack, they can jump the entire height of the screen yeah, they if they do, need to. Yeah, they'll do these weird jumps to like follow you around. And uh, they're similar to, there were some boxers in Ninja Gaiden 1 that were also like top two. It was them and the birds. And they're here. They're back with a vengeance, man. Yeah, I agree. Those guys are, oh, just a pain. I died about 16 times at this one spot the first time I played before I, I gave up. And, you know, that was the end of my first session. And then I restarted and came back and got caught here again for at least, uh, I think, 12 times, 12 deaths. And then okay. I got past it and I was like, I'm not starting over again because I don't want to do this ever again. This was really hard. Right. Yeah. And to me, it's the moments like that that really make me say this is a hard game. Well, you'll find yourself when these, you know, it's like you already got to get through this tough level, but then you'll get to this one point where you're like, I have to memorize this. I have to master it. I have to, I have to, first I have to strategize to figure out what the best course of action to kill this guy is. And then when, uh, then when you've got it figured out, you just, you know, you have to do it perfectly and get through it. It's tough, man. It is. And places like this are the reason that I never got to a boss with full health. Mm, yeah. But the boss you find at the end of this level, you know, you don't need full health for. No, he's very easy, but he has a great name. Oh, is this the one? This is Funky Dynamite. Funky Dynamite. I'm not sure that what the origins of his name are, but the character is a cyborg based on a Commodore lizard. Okay. Is that a real lizard? Or is it supposed to be like a Komodo? Is that a real thing, a Commodore lizard? You know, not that I know of. Um, I've heard I'm of like a, monitor lizards or yeah. Komodo dragons, but I mean... I'm not a lizardologist, but I've been to the zoo many times, and I watch a lot of nature documentaries. Mm-hmm. Never have I seen that, that exact type of lizard, so... I don't know, but I will say this too. Um, you know, in the manual, it has artwork of all the bosses, but mm-hmm. this guy looks awesome. It's a really good picture, and it makes him look really cool. Well, I definitely want to check it out because I love the name Funky Dynamite. Um, one of my friends named his cat that for a while till his mom made him change it. Oh, poor dude. <laughs> well, Funky Dynamite. Um, Very easy boss. Yeah, yeah. He flies left and right, dropping bombs. Yes. There are two pillars on the edges of the room, but, I mean, you barely need to use them. You just jump up. If you attack him, he'll come to the ground. Yeah. So, and then you can get another couple hits on him. Yeah, and it's like you just have to get this spread where you have your ninja uh, clones up above you in the air, and it's like he'll, you know you hit him and he comes down with you, and you hit him and he flies up. And well, then... yeah, I had him in a a loop where my ninja clones were in just the right spot to where I'd be on the ground, they were in the air in two <clears> different <throat> places to he would go up and come down maybe three times and he was gone. Yeah, immediately, like it's like he'll just get hit as soon as he's up, and then as soon as he's down, and just take him down easy peasy. Now, another thing to note is that since you do have to start many of these levels at the beginning, if you don't beat the boss, Mm -hmm. you may not get there with full health, but you usually will get there with at least one or two of your ninja clones. Yeah, and which multiply the killing power of your uh, power boosting items. So I always just unload right away and just see how much damage I can do. You know, Art of the Fire Wheel, usually I used it a couple shots on him, even though it's not really necessary. No. Next up, Act 4, Scene 1. It's a flamey cave. Yeah. I guess you're in the demon world at this point. This room is on fire, man. Mm. And it looks good, too. Good looking flames. Now, the fire itself, though, is uh, not really an obstacle. No, you do have those, like, fireballs that shoot up out of pits and land and then split into four. Yeah, and those can be really annoying, especially if you respawn them. They kind of remind me of uh, the prominence level in Life Force, you know, those balls that would come out. But Oh, yeah. These aren't as bad. You, uh, I mostly try to memorize where 
they always explode in the same pattern of four, kind of, if you stand in the same spot. So you can set a, a way to get past them. Yes. Now, the one part of this level that might be a bit of a sticky situation for people is the end of it, where you are jumping from pillar to pillar to pillar, and there are, you know, various creatures spawning in the yeah, air. Yeah, they're chasing you down. It can be tough. Uh, I didn't really have much trouble here, although I did fall. You know, where you get caught on the side of the pillar, and then you got to climb up and... You know, you're trying to do that little hop, and all these enemies keep hitting you. And... Yeah, this is one of those areas where you just have to keep going. If you can just run through the whole area, it will be a hundred times easier than if you stop to combat any particular enemy. If you're trying to get up off one of those uh, pillars, and and all the all the guys are coming, you better have a special uh, weapon to you know you can blast that off, and then hopefully buy yourself a few seconds to hop up. Like that's the only way that to easily do it without taking damage. You make it through there, you'll find yourself in Act Four. Scene two. This is kind of an underground cave level and your first encounter with the water. Yeah, the water uh, currents that are coming down these little like waterfalls. I mean, it looks pretty cool. You got a cool background. Oh, those aren't just waterfalls. Those are waterfalls coming out of the mouths of skulls. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's not water as in a swimming level. Like you said, it's currents of water on the ground forcing you in a direction yeah you're they're like conveyor belts in a way that you know they're moving you one way or another and you'll find many situations uh like the wind level where you either need to use them to your advantage or fight them so that they don't destroy you and it's nice too in certain areas because you can they add this momentum to you to where if it's if you're running and it's behind you you know you can jump super far so you can blast past a few things in certain spots yeah, and this is another level that has a couple of those areas where they really pile on the enemies uh, spawning one after another in an area that you have to jump uh, backwards and forwards mm -hmm. so that you will respawn the same enemy multiple times depending on where you've gone in that chunk of the screen. Now, this was a, a part where... I started running up against this problem where you can do this, like, you know, you can jump, you know, left or right, you do your, like, flip. But you can also do the weird back hop. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, I was going to complain about that later. Yeah, no, you're, it's like you're trying to just jump left, but it's, uh, I don't know if you do it too fast, I guess. You do this little, like, open-armed kind of hop back, and it really pisses me off because I never have done it on purpose. And it's never useful. Like, I don't know why you would ever use that. I mean, I mean, I mean, maybe, but I just... And the final boss, one of the boss forms that happened to me a lot Ugh. and it was just super annoying this is where i started seeing it so i made a note but uh it's not not too terrible like it wasn't like a constant thing but it would just pop up uh, from in certain levels and i you know just get mad and shake my fist there is a funny thing too here where when you're climbing on the wall sometimes if there's the water it's like you're climbing on the outside of the water stream do you know what i'm talking about oh yeah it looks goofy as heck but i still thought it, i just thought it was funny yeah, now, this is a really long level, and yeah. at the end of it, you are treated to a very weird boss. Yes, Nagasotuva. Okay. The underworld water dragon. I can see that. There's a weird kind of Geiger-esque mouth that but water's shooting out of. Right after they call it a dragon in the manual, then the, in the description it says, this is a lizard from ancient times, and it's a dinosaur that has just preserved itself. So, is it a dragon or a dinosaur? Both? Well... Who knows? I don't know either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't look anything like a, a dinosaur or a dragon. Uh, no. It's... And it has a constant stream of water shooting out of its mouth. <laughs> it's gross. Spitting all over us. Yeah. And I don't know why I had as much trouble as I did the first two times I encountered it. I think part of the reason is that I came into this boss fight with very little health every time. Mm, this level yeah. really seemed to knock me down a lot. 
I I kept trying to really just uh, I spent too much time trying to position my ninja clones up and then just like now I really slash the crap out of them and it's like you don't really have enough time to really make that worth it. It's better to just keep jumping, get in a couple no. hits, and then dodge the hands. So basically, two hands come out and the really, one at sorry, a time. One hand comes out and goes across the screen, left to right or right to left, and that's it. Yeah. So the the easiest way to defeat this boss I found was to. Stay on the right-hand side most of the time. That's what I did. You just wait for the hand to be out of the way, jump down to the platform, and attack. Yeah. Jump out of the way. It's really easy once you realize you just have to stay on the right-hand side. Yeah, and I mean, unless you have, uh, once again, any special weapons, you can, you know, I, I imagine the a fire wheel would tear them up. Uh, I don't know about the, the Dragon Ball one because that goes down at an angle. I don't think you could hit him with that. No, I don't think so either. Well, once you've defeated uh, the dragon, the dinosaur, or whatever it is, <laughs> you're, of course, treated to another wonderful cutscene, and then begins Act 5, Scene 1. You're in a similar-looking cave. You know, you have the kind of bony dungeon floor look to it, which, which I liked, and... Uh, Super-duper short, though. Yeah, so next you fall down into a, you know, what I call a spiky stone dungeon. Uh, you have, like, you know, rock, stone blocks and some spikes. Yeah, and I think this is the first time you see these uh, spikes. It, yeah. It, they are one-hit kill, I think. Okay, I, I actually was able to avoid them all. I never actually hit any. Um, no, I do know they are because I did die trying to get this one stupid orb in that, you know, narrow column of spikes oh, on both sides. Yeah, we fall down the shaft. But... And I never did. I don't know what that is. <sighs> Yeah, me either. I, I was too cowardly. Now, not in the flame level, but here you will find some uh, flames shooting out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a nice little touch. Uh, easy to avoid. Big. Yeah, very, yeah. very easy. And you'll just, you know, go through the level, find yourself a door, and you're on to Act 5, Scene 3. The ice level. Yeah, man. I was not expecting this ice level. Yeah, you know, it's not as bad as most ice levels. I, I didn't hate it nearly as much as most of them. I disagree with you. Really? Well, it's not the slipperiness of the ice level that really gets me. Mm -hmm. It's No, it is. It is the slipperiness because what happens is there are a couple places in this level where you need momentum to make a jump. Mm -hmm. And this ice slows you at the beginning of your movement. Right, yeah. It takes so you, a you need to like back up and then run to get that jump. Mm. Almost always spawning another creature or, or two. Hmm, I didn't really run into it. I don't you remember. probably moved to this level really quickly because once I died a few times and just hit the pedal to the metal and ran through it at full speed, it was not a problem. <laughs> and, I mean, this is another level, too, where they give you a lot of items where you're like, oh, man, if I stop and if you just ignore them and run through the level, it, it makes it a lot easier, I think. But, I mean, you are missing out on weapons and power-ups, but if you can just blast through anyways, just do it. Yeah, and at the end of this level is uh, the final boss. Yeah, that's right. Ashtar himself. And honestly, I was confused. I was like, an ice level for the final level? <laughs> Weird. It's an interesting choice indeed. And you do fight yourself Ashtar, you know, the villain you've been encountering the entire time in all your cutscenes. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, you know, purple and white. Yeah, he's got a big sword, and he just uh, teleports around. When he reappears, he summons some energy orbs, and yeah. then he shoots them back out. Yeah, like... It, it, they all shoot out in eight directions in a full kind of circular spread. So you had texted me at one point that you were having some real trouble with the final boss. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, man, really? This guy's <laughs> I mean, it's, I would get hit every once in a while. Right. But as long as you are kind of on the move, 
Mm-hmm. And when you see them start to come in, you have enough time to dodge almost all of his bullets. For the most part. When I killed him, I realized that this was not the final boss. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, this was not the part that was giving you such trouble. But yeah, this guy. A little foolish. I was disappointed because, you know, from the beginning of this game, you know, the first time I remember I was like, man, Ashtar is awesome. He looks cool. He is pretty and cool looking. you get to him, and I was hoping to see this, you know, demon sword in a sword fighting something, but... No, it's never used as a sword. Never, man. He just shoots balls out of it, but eh, whatever. Yeah, and uh, the game does not end. You find yourself moving on to Act 6. And in Scene 1, you are now in the caves. Or no, where are you? It's This is one of my favorite uh, stages because you're it's like a collapsed, tilted castle that's like also in a cave, kind yeah. of. It's like a big ruinous... Uh, it's, it's really cool. There's, you know, walls in the foreground that you can see. You move behind. You can see yourself through the windows. It's a neat effect. It is, and the colors are all really cool. The one annoying part is that they do try to trick you with uh, some gaps. Yeah, that are behind the that foreground. Are behind the foreground. So, you know, if you want some certain power-ups, there's like a blue scroll that you have to make this like what looks like a crazy impossible jump, but there's actually a platform hidden behind yeah, one of the things. Yeah, You know, there's a bunch of those little things, but this level's not that hard. No, it's, it's a pushover. And uh, after this, I believe, um, is where we will see, at least for the second time, a Ryu hanging and gazing at a castle. Well, the man loves a good castle. I, again, it looks awesome. It's a good scene. I, I don't blame them for recycling this. or you know, It's like a, a trope in a way of the series. It is. And once you complete that cutscene, you are now into it, man. Yeah, you're in this like weird demon world. Uh, the you sky's know, red. Yeah, and uh, you know, much like in the cutscene, and you're running down this like this path. It slowly gets you know taller and taller. The ground you're moving up until you get into this like weird chamber. Yeah, and that's where you fight the Kilbaras, which are those two dog bosses from the first Ninja Gaiden. Oh, okay. Man, they were really easy. They were. Yeah, they're. I mean, the. The one of them's fake, or you know, you can't hurt it, so you just oh. try to figure out which one is taking damage, and then just you know, with uh, the ninja clones, you can cut the crap out of them in the apparently, air. Apparently, I just luckily found the one because I didn't realize <laughs> that one of them was fake. Oh well, it's just I just knew that from the first game. Yeah, I just had two ninja clones and just I don't know went to town, man. These things, I guess, they move back and forth on the bottom of the screen. They hop around. Oh, they and, jump. Yeah, they they have like two heights of jump, and I just magicked my butt off and slashed away. And they shoot like purple globs of crap at you. I don't know. They're yeah, they're not hard at all. No, much you... easier now than they were the first time. I think. Okay, well, you know, you you tear your way through them. Lucky you. You're in Act 7. Mm-hmm. So, scene one, where do you find yourself, Nick? Well, I think you'd find yourself in a cool green slime waterfall. Yeah, it's pretty crazy looking. It's a sweet, uh, one of my favorite looking levels, you know, because it's, you know, animated well enough with the, I don't know what that, I mean, I'm guessing it's slime or maybe just green water. Yeah, I mean... There's some really good-looking pillars, and I like how in the background it's like there are these certain uh, patterns that, you know, it's like you'll see like a snake head coming out and stuff. Like it's – they put a lot of detail into it. I like it. Yeah, I really thought like uh, those snake head areas were going to do something. So I really gingerly and cautiously approached those areas the first time through just knowing that some venom was going to drop or like snakes would shoot out at me. A fireball or something. It, It looks very typical of that. It does, does. 
Now, another cool thing about this level is it does have um, a couple of these places where you will climb up a ladder into a new area. Mm-hmm. And then there's like four or five uh, bursts of fire that appear. Yeah, and you kind of got to race them. And you got to race through like a little mazy area to get to the exit, you know. Yeah. Not too hard because, like I said before, those fire guys move so slow that you can usually cut them down. Yeah, and if you like, you don't realize it right away, you could always just go back down the ladder and come back in. And when they respawn in their original spots, you know what's up now. So you can just try to, you know, race past them. Yeah, and at the very end of this scene, there's like a room that looks like there should be a boss in it, but there's not. Yeah, yeah. You just run right on through. You're done. And you find yourself uh, in the next scene. Act 7, scene... Yes, 7-2. 7-2. This is 51% or more of my playtime is spent on this level. Uh, I think I know it better than almost any level of any game now. Like you said earlier, you eventually knew what orbs to avoid. Right. And I was right there with you. I played this level... Well, I don't know, for like 40 minutes? Yeah, I I was really... Because at this point, I was like, I'm not going back through this game again. I'm too close to the end. I'm going to see this through. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I think I can do it. And, you know, especially the first... uh, Well, the second time I was playing through this game, you know, I had just remembered that I was like, it's not as bad as the first one. And, you you know, it's pretty easy. So, And I got to this level, and I'm like, all right, this is the slog. You really got to, you know, get your way through with the right weapons for the right situations. Yeah, I find that once you get that fire wheel in this level, if you can use it effectively... Well, the, the the shield one? or yes, the okay. shield one. Yeah, yeah. If you can use it effectively and not hit any of the other orbs that contain power-ups, you can really tear through some of the harder parts of this level. You just have to be very smart about managing your magic power. Yeah, because it's, it's expensive, but I mean, by the time I... You know, many, many deaths here at this level. Uh, yeah, I, I went into the final boss fights with very little magic because, to me, it was worth it to use the fire wheel through some of the points in this level to keep my sanity. Oh, you have to. Um, you know, the shooting fire wheel, you know, is uh, is pretty good. It's definitely great against the bosses, but um, I use the windmill star a lot in certain parts because... Yeah, when you're climbing walls, it's very good to use that one to get around and to get guys on the opposite well, sides or... And while, I mean, of course, the invincibility fire wheel is, um, you know, a better alternative, but if you don't have it and, like, there's the spot where three birds surround you and appear right at once, you know? Oh, oh, yes. Like that that little sequence, that's the start of this really shitty sequence that if you have, like, I had three ninja clones and ninja stars, and I was I really got lucky a couple of times where it's like as soon as they would appear, it would be like, chung, chung, and you shoot them out. You can kill them all, and if you keep moving before they keep reappearing. Well, because if I recall, it's not just three birds. It's three birds, and then, like, two things drop onto your platform. There's at least, like, six enemies that all spawn well, within about four inches of movement. Yeah, no, there's two spots because it's like... You, you get past those three birds, and then you you have to drop down, and then there's a guy with a machine gun, and then that dude throwing that weird blade, uh-huh. and, you know, you have to hop back and forth. More birds. Like, it's it's intense, but I died a lot there. But I also, you know, it gave me the same kind of feeling in Contra where you, like, accidentally do this really badass stuff. And I did that several times as well. So that's what really kept me going. And if you can find your way through this hellish level, you will be treated to a really cool cutscene mm-hmm. again. And then Act 7, Scene 3. you face-to-face with Jacquio. Yes. And, you know, this fight uh, isn't that bad. You're in a room with a lot of different platforms at different levels. And he's, like, in his cloak of chaos. Yeah, he's got a star. He's floating around and shooting these uh, little fireballs at you. Indeed. And I found that 
this form, it was very easy to kill with the fire wheel. I had one use of it left. Mm. And each one of your clones can get a hit on him with it. Yeah, yeah. So with just one or two uses of it, I got it down to half. Okay, I see. I never made it to him with that weapon. I always took, I either got stuck with the ninja star because I stupidly took it because there's one right before the boss or... Oh, I became religious about just not (laughs) taking so many orbs. Well, I I like the, the ninja star is okay, but um, because you can use it to hit him from the wall. And if you stay on the wall, he won't hit you. He will never touch you. Oh, okay. His fireballs will still hit you, but you can, you know, when he's across the screen, you know, you can peg him with some ninja stars. And Well, the downside is, is that I've used all my magic at this point, mm-hmm. but the clones can cut through him really easily if you make sure you jump around to have them positioned in the air in the center area. See, I kept trying to strategize by like finding an area to, you know, position my clones and stuff. And it wasn't until I just like one time I just gave up. And started trying to do these weird jumps after him and slashing after him. And, you know, kind of as a suicide thing, but it worked. And I beat him. So I was like, all right, great. Um, You know, I, I, I did it. I beat him. Yeah. I mean, I, I beat him and I was like, okay, let's go see the real form. Right. We but get I it. thought that <laughs> for a first form, this was pretty good. And, and tough. And tough. Now, you are treated to some more very intense cutscenes, mm-hmm. And then you find yourself... Fighting the second form. Yeah, a big skull in the wall. Yeah, and this is the one that I really, you know, I, I think I fought this boss three or four times. Well, when this when this thing first appears, right, it's like, okay, you see the screen coming on, and for a second, your life is full. So I was like, oh, it filled up my life. Okay, sweet, maybe I can do this. And it was like, it was like no, you still only have one bar left. The first yeah. time I got here, I was like, oh, and there's, you know, Acid drops coming from the ceiling. The whole room is covered with these like uh, stalactites with holes in them. Mm-hmm. And acid drips out of them, but at a much higher rate than most video games. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, they don't all drop. Like you can see them, you know, coming. They have a tell, so you can you can dodge them preemptively, but you're also dodging this fire that it shoots out of the skull. Yeah, so you really have to be on your toes. Although after fighting him way too many times, I did find a very easy way to kill him. Oh, yeah? And that is, you can get basically right under his mouth, Mm -hmm. and his fireball won't hit you. The only thing that can hit you is the one drop that's right in front of him. Mm -hmm. So if you can wait for that drop at the right time, and then jump down in there and have one of your clones in in front of face, you can do like five or six hits of damage before the next drop's coming down. Nice. After I learned that, it was way, way easier. Well, you see, uh, the first time, this was my second playthrough when I got here. And then I was like, there's no way. Like, when I saw the second guy and I was like, you don't get your life back. And I died. And that was my, you know, my second give up. Where I was like, oh, I can't do it, man. I, I'm quitting for the night. Right. So but after I battled my way back through here one time, you know, beat the first guy after several tries, several more deaths. And I get here and I'm fighting him and I die and I get sent back. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plow through. We're going to learn this. And that's when I got to the boss and it was still on his second form. I bet you were so happy. I No, I was so happy. I, I was like, oh, that's why it's easy. I thought it would be like, you know, the first one where you had to do all the forms and the whole act over. Now, I don't know if it was a uh, another podcast that I'd listened to or something I'd read recently, but I remember reading the various differences between the endings of one and two. You mm-hmm. know, the whole, why is it harder? The having to go back and replay the whole act in the first one. Mm-hmm. So I knew in this one that you would be able to play and not have to face the form again okay okay now 
that didn't stop me from, you know, having to do it multiple times. Yeah, yeah. And when, I mean, the, it definitely changed my, my strategy against this skull because it was less about like, well, how am I going to beat him and still have enough life? Yeah. To, you know, I was like, I just got to kill him once. So, yeah. But that does set up um, my final feeling. Mm-hmm. And that was when you beat this guy, you're treated to more beautiful cutscenes, mm-hmm. And then the final, final form. Yeah. This, it's a weird demonic creature. Well, it's the head. Yeah. That was in the wall. Yeah, it's like skull-ish head. And then it's got, um, I don't know, some disgusting... Veiny, wormy stuff. things It's got wings. Up. It's got claw, feet, hands. I don't know what they are. They're one, like floating, yeah. Yeah, one comes at you at a time. And the skull itself shoots out a stream of fireballs or pellets or something. Mm-hmm. But it's a very consistent angle. Yeah. The problem for me was that I got here and I attacked his head. Nothing. Yeah. I attacked his hands. Nothing. Mm-hmm. I jumped over his hands, went into his heart, mm-hmm. attacked the heart. Nothing. Right. I, I'm i getting hit all the time while I'm exploring oh, yeah. this thing. Yeah. I did this twice, and I was just like, I give up. That was me. That was done. I was done for the night. That was the <laughs> end. And this was a, an epic night. I had put in at least two and a half hours. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah. So that's when I, you know, called it quits. Next day, I looked up how you fight this guy, mm. and boy, was I pissed. <laughs> because you do fight the head. Yeah, you just gotta, you start off with the head, it just doesn't take damage, so it doesn't look like it's actually, you know, his life meter's not moving anywhere. It doesn't move at all. I don't know how many hits, you just have to hit the head a whole bunch, mm-hmm. and then the head explodes, and the hands disappear. Yeah. Now, while you're attacking this head, it should be noted that you can duck under the, the top hand. Yeah, there is, you can crouch beneath it. And... You can really, it's really easy once you know. Yeah, the timing's not too rough. It's not very fast. No, you can, um, you know, duck under, you can duck under it, let it come through, jump under the arc of the pellets it spews out, mm-hmm. and then jump up and get a couple good hits in with your ninja clone. And so is the, you know, at the top of the, the kind of spine of this creature, it's usually, it's shedding those weird... Uh... Well, once you defeat the skull mm-hmm. and all that disappears, the skull, yeah. the head, the hands... Then it starts spewing out shrimp. Yeah, that's what I was like. They look like the shrimp from Life Force. Yes, very much so. And they suck. Yeah, I I was able to just get right up in there and, you know, I got a lucky spot where it was like I wasn't in the direct path of most of its But uh, you stuff. are going to take a few hits. Yeah, there's no safe spot 100%, but there are certain spots where it's like you're definitely dealing a lot more damage than you're taking. Well, I, I think each sword hit is possibly even more than one hit on that heart. Yeah, and I mean, if you... It was so fast and furious, I couldn't tell. You just got to have a ninja clone and you're good. Yeah, you even rush in... One. You beat up the heart of this creature, and that's it, man. They cut it down. You've done it. You have done it. Um, you get a great ending. Yeah. Solid cutscene. So sunset, of course. A castle breaking apart forever. It does take a long time, but I really wanted to give them credit for not just doing the. It slowly moves vertically down. You know, it it does break into a couple pieces and you know settles. You get a great hero shot at the end. Mm-hmm. Some more staring. Yeah, gazing off at the ruins with Irene in hand. You get to see Ryu unmasked. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't like it as much. But nah, yeah. I, I like him better with the hood on. And then you get a, a solid list of credits. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's pseudonyms, but... Yeah, it looked like it. You do get um, some scenes from the game, from the cutscenes over top of them. It's very theatrical. And a nice The End. Yeah. 
and you have to reset it to get any further or do anything else. Yeah, yeah. But it is a very, very fitting end to the game. Yeah. Very satisfying. Rewarding. Definitely. So we find ourselves here again at the review portion of our show. And as always, we use the Nintendo Power review system. It is a review across four categories with a score ranging from zero to five, starting with graphics and sound. I gave this game a 4.5. 4.5, I gave it a five. Oh wow, I, I really thought about it, and I'll tell you why I did it in a moment. Okay. But I think you'll agree with me that this game has great sprites and even better animations. Yeah, it, it looks really good. Uh, all the, the cutscenes look good, they're all faithful and uh, very de- more detailed and, and you know dynamic looking. I don't know, they look really good for just sliding around. Yeah, and you know, just Ryu's movement as a sprite during the normal stages is so fluid and so good. His jump, you know, that spin. Well, his run is so cool because you really, like, your legs are really pumping. It's like, you know, perfect ninja run, like, you know, you're really tearing through there, you know. All the sprites look really good. Yeah, and the levels are all very colorful. There's a lot going on in them. Yes, all the, the backgrounds look look very good, you know. Very designs, you know, no two levels look the same unless they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the cutscenes, they look great. I love, you know, every one of them. As cheesy as they are, as hackneyed as some of the uh, plot points that pop up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even my 11-year-old kid uh, saw a lot of these things coming, you know, before they did. Well, yeah, it's very, yeah. But it's just uh, so well done and so amazing to see on an NES that I love it. Yeah, it's some of the best graphics we've seen so far. A big bulk of it goes to the music because they have some really awesome, like, rockin' tunes that I think are just great. Like, yeah, they really pump you up and, like, will make you want to run through that level. Yeah, they, they're very fitting, and, I mean, you know, and uh, they have very good, like, dramatic music and stuff, well, which is, you know, not exactly music. I'd ever be like, I really want to listen to this, you know, Irene gets shot moment, but, you know, it, it's very fitting. Yeah, it fits the scenes quite well and adds a lot of tension and a lot of drama to them that you wouldn't expect from such an old Nintendo game. Well, the next category is play control. Mm -hmm. And I did not score the game so highly there. I gave it a 3.5. Well, I gave it a 2.5. Okay, I, I thought that, I think your sword is a little weird. Well, that's part of why. I said the running and jumping feel really good. Yeah. They are what makes this game the ninja game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they carry those things over from the first game very well. Mm-hmm. You can easily stick to walls. That's fun. Yeah, the walls are definitely an improvement. I, mean, I know some people might not like it where in the first one you had to do the manual hop up, but just being able to climb is, you know, why not? It, it's, it puts you in more control of your character. But getting off walls is kind of weird. When you get to the top, yeah. And just back and forth if you're in a narrow wall-to-wall scenario, situation. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't like that. And it's it's very hard to get down without wall jumping back and forth. Yeah. And if there's a lot of enemies, it's just a disaster. See, and I thought it was very, like, using the special weapons was, you know, it's just up and B, a la Castlevania style. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it was just easier. Like, it just, I never had real problems with it like I did in some other games that have a similar mapping right. situation. I will give that to you. But um, I will see that with 
that weird half jump back. Yeah, the the, hep, the back hop sucks. I never do it on purpose, and it always screws me up. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the sword has a very, very specific, slightly weird hitbox. And the thing I like, and I don't know if this is um because it's changed from Ninja Gaiden 1, you know, I don't know. I haven't played either of them in years, but uh, I've, I've noticed where I would try to kill two guys with one slash, and it wouldn't always work. It was like you had to hit two of them, hit it twice. like. But it didn't happen frequently enough for me to really get to the bottom of it, but well, I, it did sneak up on me. There is that, and then the sword itself is just so quick that if you're trying to hit things in the air while you're jumping, it can be very difficult. Yeah, it is. It's a real... you got to time it just right, but I did think it should also get props for skippable cutscenes. Yeah, but I wouldn't put that in the play control. Yeah, well, I mean... You can give it all the props you want. I'm keeping my 2.5. Hey, that's a, a amount of control over my play that I've wanted in many Final Fantasies or other games played since. Fair enough. Well, I think we're going to um, have varied scores once again. All this right. This is the category of the challenge. Yes. So what, how did you rate the challenge here? 4.5. 4.5, really? Yeah, man, there were just so many parts that made you restart. Like, if you didn't have the will to get through this game, mm-hmm. you were just casually playing, like my son was, right. he didn't get past the wind level. It was too frustrating for him. Really? He just didn't have the patience to wait for all those cycles. I gotcha. I mean, I just, um, you know, there are certain spots where I died over and over, you know. Exactly. And, but um, I, I think the time when I, you know, it only takes about even two hours, it, and that's including a lot of dying, you know, to beat this game. Like, you can, this game has about, all told, maybe 35 minutes of actual gameplay and if right you there, don't die. And right there, you just proved my point. If you spent two hours playing this game and there was only 35, really it's 50 minutes of gameplay, but either way... There's just too many parts where you have to pray to the god of skinny white punks you're going to make it through. Hi, man, I I only really ran up against, you know, the final level aside. Like I said, the final level is really tough, but, you know, and to me that's almost the real challenge of is like, you know, kind of like how Jackie Chan says about doing the movies where it's like you screw up over and over, but you just have to get it right once. And since the final boss is, you know, you can come back to the forms, I was like, okay, then, you know, that was my only worry. So what was your rating on the challenge? Oh, I give it a two because you have infinite instant continues. Well, we were on different ends of that <laughs> spectrum. I think we might be closer when it comes to theme and fun. Right, right. I gave it a 3.5. Okay, I give it a four. Okay, very, very close. Mm-hmm. I loved how well themed the levels were. You know, yeah, yeah. the story would set it up and then you'd be there. Yeah, like you, you got to go to this place and do it. Next level, you're on a train, then you're running up to the tower, then you're going up the tower, you know, uh, amongst, you know, and that's throughout the different acts. It's not just an act to act thing. Yeah, I mean, the cutscenes set them up and then the levels played out and they were, you know, awesome. They were a joy to go through. And while the dialogue is Clearly not Shakespeare. I mean, I, I was laughing a lot at the just, you know, I'm saying vaguely evil stuff about taking over the world. It's not oh, yeah. like, there's no like real concrete plan or something that's going on. There's just a sword that does something. and But, you know, there's some really hilariously cheesy, over-the-top dialogue that monologuing from Ashtar, it's, it's great. It is. And, you know, as far as the fun's concerned, this game makes you feel like a ninja and a badass ninja at that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know... Uh, I mentioned earlier, much like in certain uh, other games like Contra, it's like it's very easy to do some super awesome stuff on accident and you just feel like a total badass. Yeah, this game, uh, the running and jumping is so satisfying and the look and feel of it, it's almost just right for the game it is. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Nick, I'll ask you my final question of the show. Let's do it. Should you play this game? Yes. I agree. Awesome. But I did say, don't expect to beat this game the first time, second time, (laughs) or even third time you play it. Well, I mean, again, especially playing a lot of older games, like, don't be embarrassed to look on the internet or, you know, save states or invincibility codes or whatever, you know? like Exactly. It's out there and just make it your own, you know? You know, the way I look at a lot of these games is that when we were kids, we would share these secrets on the playground. You Mm -hmm. know, we coveted every Nintendo power we got, and we were not ashamed to use those tips and tricks. Yeah, and especially in a world where, you know, for me it was like, this is a game rental. You have it for two days. You know what I'm doing all day, both those days. Like, that's how you, you know, it give you the desire to just push through that you maybe don't have anymore. And any of these old games you come across you find just too hard for you, don't be afraid to use a Game Genie code. Use a save state. Yeah. Do what you got to do because we're not getting any younger. And there are more <laughs> games coming out every day of our lives. So the way I look at it is it's better to beat an old game, to experience the ending, to really feel all the levels than to never have seen them at all. The struggle is real. Next week's games will be a duo play. We are going to be talking about both Tetris and Dr. Mario. So I know you can find a copy of those games. (laughs) Grab your controllers, friends. Play a couple rounds, you know, against your friends or your worst enemies. But we want you to play along. And remember, folks, if there's anything we missed or stuff we got wrong, kindly let us know at cartridgecommand at gmail.com and we'll address it in the future. Yeah, you know... We'd love to hear some more feedback from you guys, especially, you know, what kind of games you want to hear us cover in the future. Send us a message on Facebook at Cartridge Command. Yeah, and we have gotten some, so, you know, don't think you're not appreciated. We're getting to it. You can also send us a tweet. We're at Cart Command on the Twitters. Follow us on any podcast app you want. Most importantly, tell a friend. Get someone else that loves podcasts and loves retro gaming to give us a listen. When we can't thank our sponsors on Patreon enough. Mm-hmm. Thanks to you, we're finally in the black. We don't uh, lose money on this podcast. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. You can find us at Patreon slash Cartridge Command. And as always, Cartridge Commandos, Game On! Is there a ghost talking to us? My phone's on airplane mode. I think it's something happening in real life. <laughs> like outside. Oh, right. Okay. Like a siren or something? I think it might have been a plane or something. Oh, <laughs> That was creepy. Yes, it was, man. <laughs> I thought perhaps we were being contacted by some spirits no. from the beyond. <laughs> Ninja Maybe. spirits. Exactly.